0: Welcome to EPMICast, I'm Alice Cadet, your host. During this episode, you'll hear from EPMI's Director of Planning and VP of Technology as they dive into each module of Oracle Cloud EPM Planning. They'll discuss customer use cases in high tech and retail industries. They'll dive into the functionality of each module and they'll close with an update on AI. Please subscribe and rate EPMICast on your favorite streaming platforms, and we'll have the cast start things off. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming on to the show today. Today, we have Fletcher, Carissa, and Chen. Um, I'll start with uh, Carissa. Could you introduce yourself? and? Uh, how you spent your time at EPMI?
1: Sure. Um, I'm Carissa Jones. I'm a senior consultant with EPMI. I've been with EPMI for about three and a half years now, um, working uh, mostly within the planning space. So working with the planning modules, you know, mostly financials and workforce planning. Um, Prior to joining EPMI um, and consulting, I was in industry uh, with an oil and gas company where I was in the FP&A group and helped them um, implement Hyperion on-prem. So I'm happy to be here today.
0: Hey guys, my name is Chen Lin. I'm the uh, VP of technology currently at EPMI, but um, that is just uh, a title. Uh, here I wear many hats. Um, I've been at EPMI for about, a, I would say, I guess it's 11 years now. Um, and we've uh Kind of, I've kind of grown along with the company. So I started working with a kind of Hyperion on-premises 11.121 to 124. Um, since then, um been learning um, EPM cloud, especially with planning and a lot of the other products uh, along with that. So I help everywhere. Um, and I'm just glad to be here to have a discussion about one of my favorite products.
2: Uh, this is Fletcher here, uh, part of the sales team at EPMI coming up on year four. Um, so worked at Oracle for a couple of years uh, out of college and then joined EPMI in June 2019. But we're with customers of all shapes and sizes, ranging from sub-500 million privately held to some of the largest you know, Fortune 500 manufacturing semiconductors in the world, uh, all of whom use Oracle EPM. I think part of this kind of podcast series, spotlighting the planning tool, is to share really in layman's terms how this tool is used, right? What are customers in your space doing? What's the best way to get started? Um, so I think that kind of sets the stage for today. Years, Oracle has positioned all their products to be sold in uh, an EPM enterprise platform that includes functionality across accounting and finance. Today, we're talking about planning and budgeting within Oracle's connected planning tools. They call it their five pre-built modules. There's financials planning, strategic modeling, workforce planning, capital planning, and projects planning. Over the next 15, 20 minutes or so, we're going to hope to share information about all those, but who knows where it's going to go. Um, So I'm actually going to turn it back again to Chris and Chin. Uh, And if y'all could just describe in your own words, you know, what is the Oracle planning tool and how do you see it used most commonly, at least for like a a phase one project? Um,
0: This was one of the first uh, products to make the transition to EPM Cloud. So it came out back in 2014 as planning and budgeting cloud service. Um, But it's got kind of a, a legacy of development from Hyperion planning, which was kind of like the best in breed uh, on-premises uh, FP&A planning tool. But what it is today is a lot different than what it is in, in 2014, right? So it's kind of a, an all-encompassing planning. Um, I mean, we call it EPM suite, but within planning, I like to think of it as its own little suite, right? It, and it's got um, modules within that will help with uh, specific planning processes so not just financials, but also your CapEx, your capital planning, your project planning, your long range strategic modeling, and also your your workforce planning. So there there's there's great accelerators and modules built into there for all of those individual pieces um, to to help out with your planning and forecasting.
1: It also enables, you know, you you can enable features incrementally. So just if you want to get your feet wet, you know, don't know exactly like what you want, you've been exposed to you know a little bit of financials start there and then see you know how you like it once you are in the application and you can build off of that over time.
2: You know, just for those potentially listening who have been in the Oracle world for a little while, when we're talking about planning, we're, we are talking about those legacy SKUs to some degree, PBCS, EPBCS. If you hear that, we're talking all about kind of what's been rebranded as enterprise or connected planning within EPM. But to reflect what Chris and Chen were just saying, if I'm understanding correctly, one of the benefits of the planning tool is that you can kind of right size project requirements based on you know what can be fit into out of box and what can be fit into the individual modules. Um, my next question: uh, When we say out of box, what does that mean, right, for an everyday customer?
1: Ah, uh, so that's um, you know utilizing the pre built modules and pre built functionality um, and enabling you know their Oracle has like a way you could just configure the modules um, as for the requirements of the, of your client, as well as um, enable certain features that they want. And then once everything is configured and enabled, you know, they get all of the out-of-box functionality um, of, you know, forms and business rules um, and other things like that. So, um, you know, it, and then you can customize all of that if, if needed, but that's, where you kind of start just offering that, you always try to see like, can we fit this client in the box? And um, most of the time you, you can.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot of, a lot of great, like um, leading practice and like hard one kind of customer wisdom kind of built into what now comes out of the box. I mean, it used to be, you know, way back when like 10, 15 years ago, you kind of just get a, a toolkit and then you're trying to piece it together, going like, "Okay, I have to build uh this thing to match up my chart of accounts. I have to create an accounts dimension I've got to create um you know a product dimension, and then I also have to to build every single little thing to kind of connect the dots. but the story has kind of changed without the box, so now it's it's kind of enable a feature, configure it um and then you'll find that once you do those two things, you'll already have. A bunch of that work done for you to where you're now already able to go into the tool and say Oh i've got a, a perfectly valid working web form that I can enter data in for, like from day day three really
2: right so kind of like the like the sum of all the knowledge of EPM users, Oracle product takes that information to I guess modify of box offerings.
0: Yeah, like I'll give you an example. So one of the things that used to be a real um, big, like, kind of like heavy effort customization is something like a trend-based uh, forecasting process, right? So something that, that looks at your your prior history, your prior data, and applies some sort of extrapolation based on that to determine like, hey, you know, What's my forecast going to be? Um, that used to be something that took time to build in because every customer's application was wildly different. Uh, but now with out of the box, uh, with the, the financials module, it comes right out right there. So as long as you have actuals that you can load into the system, then, then you have a trend-based uh, forecaster plan.
2: Cool. And while we're on the topic of kind of driver trend-based planning, I know that's key functionality specifically within financials. Let's go ahead and just start talking about the financials module. At least in my experience, most customers that come to us, whether they're on a legacy Hyperion system, a third-party tool, Excel, our first phase of planning and budgeting is always going to be the financials module. So let me turn it back to you guys to share a little bit about what what some of the key pieces of functionality are across budgeting, forecasting, and maybe some customer stories of where we've been successful.
1: um, whether it's the P l only or the p l and cash flow and balance sheet, you know you enable those like separately so that you get all of the out of the box um, accounts set up for them to then you know put their own chart of accounts within the out of the box framework and once you do that, then you have turned on all the out of the box functionality um, with their own account structure. Um, and then with that, you can also turn on, you know, like Chin said, trends and drivers, um, and enable those for the client. Or if they, you know, aren't comfortable with that yet, they still want to use the calculations. You can say, well, you can turn on these um, in the future and use them. Um, and then another um, another nice functionality of the app applica- or the out of the box application is the these step by step wizards that make it really easy for like the consultants, but also um, once you hand it over to the users um, to, you know, use it on their own, the, the wizards make it really easy to like configure and set up um, certain features that you're looking for. And that's across all of the modules.
0: Yeah. So when I, when I think about financials, just to add on to that, um, I kind of think about the, the flexibility that it gives to the planner, like just without any customization whatsoever, um, you, you get your chart of accounts represented um, in there, which you can, you can fully do. Um, but just from that point, the planner has so much flexibility in order to um, kind of get their work done. So if you have a good kind of driver-based paradigm to where you have certain things like you want to calculate price times volume. You want to enter in how many widgets we sold for for this period of time. That that's a good driver that that someone uh, can put in to to the system to have available for everyone. Um, if there's trends that you can apply, that that's something that you can do as well. And if none of those none of the none of the above fits, you can also do your direct input. Um, bring it into Excel and use uh, the functionality directly from Excel with the smart view plugin to just be able to directly key in, Hey, I have this fancy uh, 25 page workbook that, that does all my calculations for me. I can take the data from that and and directly submit that into the system. So you've got a lot of flexibility to to get to where you need to go in financials.
2: And from like a development standpoint, is there a lot of heavy lifting from a technical perspective? I know groovy scripting is the coding language in EPM, but you know, is it, this might sound basic, but is it hard to set up?
0: That's a loaded question. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll say that it's, it's not, not hard. It's,
1: yeah.
0: If you're, if you're using out of the box functionality, it, it a lot of it will do what you need it to do, right. To to roll up the data, to, um, to do those trend-based or or driver-based um, calculations. Like I said, um, we, we see some some complexity when people try to add in things like allocations. That's something that, Oracle just recently added an update for it to make it a lot easier to put in. But um, types of custom calculations, those are things that take time. Uh, additionally, we see cases where they have alternate hierarchies. So say they want a gap presentation versus a non-gap presentation. That's one we've seen a lot recently. Um, I'm sure, Chris, you can think of a lot more like that.
1: Yeah, I would say like, um, I mean, we had a recent client uh, um, you know, they're in genetic testing and they wanted to just do the PNL, and at first we kind of, we started out with mostly out of the box, trying to keep everything in the box. And then, you know, as we went through requirements and design, we did have to start layering in uh, more customization. But it actually wasn't um, as complicated as it thought. So we a lot of customers still want to be able to do direct inputs in a certain way. So you know, we show them like, okay, if you're not going to use one of the out of the box forms the you know to make the custom forms is really not that difficult, um especially with the new um like framework that um that epm has for forms. Um and then same with like KPIs. So there are you know certain KPIs and drivers that are out of the box, but a lot of times like those may not fit in with um the what the client wants to do. So creating custom custom KPIs is totally doable and you know with member formulas is is, is pretty easy and you don't have to use Groovy script for that.
2: Let's say I'm an organization. You know, I'm do, I've got my annual operating plan budget all set. That up in EPM, and I am doing some forecasting within the tool, right? Some different what-if scenarios. Um, what's kind of the breakoff point as we transition to the next module? Like, when would you use financials for forecasting versus like a purpose-built tool like scenario modeling? Let's start talking there.
0: Yeah. So that it it it's all kind of based on what the specific requirements are and also level of detail, right? So. Financials is really good for a bottoms-up type of plan to, to where you're, you're essentially gathering information from all your various departments or your cost centers to kind of build up a, a grand, detailed annual operating plan. And you can certainly use it for rolling forecasting as well. But when you're talking about like a long-range five-year model, it may not be feasible necessarily to have all of your planners go through that exercise with you right so that that's an area where you can think about something like scenario modeling where it, it's kind of purpose built for that where you can you can take um all of that data that's in financials and that that very granular level detail sum it up to a level that makes sense um for a more of an executive person or more of a you know person who just cares about um the aggregate to to kind of focus on the what ifs from there yeah i would
1: say strategic modeling is a great Um, Use case for, you know, what if analysis and different scenario roll ups um, and looking at, you know, economic factors that may be impacting you um, or if you're thinking of, you know, having an acquisition or a divestiture in the future, like look at, um, you know, the what if analysis for that um, best case scenario, worst case scenario, things um, that you can't get with just straight financials.
2: Right, and once you have financial set up, scenario modeling is pretty straightforward to kind of feed, right? Versus like a workforce planning, let's say.
0: So, workforce planning and capital and projects; those are you can think of those as expansions of financials in in a sense, right? You're you're going from just the, the level of detail needed to build your P and L to to more granularity, right? So, um, I want to see all and they're completely separate projects, modules, right? yeah, and those are different pieces. Yeah. Uh, scenario, I think of it more of a, as of a summation, right? So going from whatever you did in all of the other modules, um, going up up one level to just okay, what is how did I do? Um, you kind of like organizational unit by organizational unit um, for a, a more more summarized period of time, say for for this year or this quarter, um, and that that kind of just gives you a, a more of a, a bird's eye view rather than zooming all the way in.
2: Right, it's more kind of like sea level long range yep. plan. I like that. yeah I learned something every time I'm with you guys, um so capital projects workforce those can, cl- can feed your financials module in terms yep. of the reports from there, and then all of that rolls up to scenario modeling more high level stuff yes, all right, cool um could you share any kind of interesting use cases you've gathered from our customers using scenario modeling
0: um i mean it it depends on on the customer right so a lot of if there's a, there's customers who already have kind of a a, a detailed um You know, five-year plan or what-if analysis that they do in Excel already, Um, it's not a difficult effort to transition that to scenario modeling, especially if they already know um, the way that they're going to forecast every little specific item in their chart of accounts that they want to put in. Um, One of the great um, assets of scenario modeling is the flexibility and the ease of use. So um, if there is a specific uh, way that you know you're going to forecast your your price and your volume, you know you can have scenario modeling do that really easily, even as an end user um, and then say if you want to model it a different way, you have the ability to change it so I would say the the best customers for scenario modeling are the ones who kind of have somewhat of an idea of of how they would want to plan that that that's usually what I see is more successful. Um, on the other hand, if you're just, just getting into it, we ha- there's a lot of out-of-the-box, so to speak, uh, forecasting methods available there just to, to give you an idea to start. And, oh, yeah,
1: flexible. there are pre-built templates. Yep. i There's pre-built, pre-built templates. templates that you can start with. And then mm-hmm. if you want to customize them, you know, for your own use case, you can. Yep. Uh,
2: pre-built templates, again, within Scenario Modeling? for mm-hmm. like like common like MA scenarios or what type of uh templates
0: Yeah, they're for specific industries. Um there's yeah. kind of the templates that that en- encompass like all, all the uh, the various statements as well as external factors such as treasury that would could go into to affect um, you know, what your long-term outlook would be. Um so th- those are good starting points. Um and then of course there's there's going to be some tweaking um if you want to make The chart of accounts to look more like yours, for example. That that's one where we see a lot of, like, a little customizations to get to that point.
2: Thinking now about one of our kind of, you know, planning customers, we have you know a couple of different projects set up. uh, Kind of talking about the, is this the word incrementality or just your ability to scale EPM? So Outform Group, for example, this is a private equity-backed kind of retail services firm. When we first met them. They were just working on displays for major retailers, Target, Sports Authority, things like that. Uh, What do you know? Uh, These guys at the private equity firm actually had a pretty good idea. And over the next two years or so, 18 months, we actually saw them merge with a number of different um, kind of subsidiary companies into a more innovative, um, broad servicing retail firm. As part of that, though, you'll see where I'm going. uh, They acquired uh, employees all around the world in China, across all state parts of the U.S. And so they approached us uh, to talk about workforce planning. Um, let's transition now to talking about the third module with NDPN workforce planning. Um, I'm not sure if either of y'all were staffed on the Outform project, but just generally speaking, you know, why would an organization want workforce planning, either for you know a business case, a type of industry, um, but let's just get into it.
1: Yeah, so I actually was a uh, part of that project in the very beginning for the first phase, um, and it was kind of bare bones um, workforce planning, and I believe, like, financials, Um, so, you know, as a company grows or goes through, you know, mergers and acquisitions and they have a bigger workforce, they might want to figure out how to, like, simplify their workforce planning, Um, and, you know, there's, I mean, there's multiple ways you can plan by job, or you can plan by employee, or you can plan by employee and job, it really just kind of depends on, like, the size of your organization um so it gives you you know when you're configuring enabling workforce it gives you the flexibility to choose like what kind of you know the how detailed um workforce planning you want to do um and then you can you know enable certain features like do i want to have demographics be a part of this um different layers of your workforce that you may want to like track and trend um and then it workforce has like like the wizards i was saying workforce is a very uh heavy user of all of these step-by-step wizards so you can go and set up you know your benefits and taxes and additional earnings Um, that is always a i guess a point of contention with with people or clients especially globally scaled um, organizations that have a lot of different ways of planning their taxes due to all the different countries have a lot of different ways of planning you know their Um, like stock comp or bonuses, um, just due to the the size of the organization. So you can work with your client to say, you know, we can, um, we can align all of these different types of, um, you know, benefits and taxes into more standardized ones and use the out of the box um, configuration wizard to cut those down from like a hundred different types of taxes to just you know, like ten, which is what you're given with um, with workforce so they've they've made it where it's a lot easier for these you know long term like workforce planning long term short term um, you know by by job by employee, and you can incrementally enable what you need to as an organization may grow.
0: Yeah, um just to add to that, just look um thinking back to that Outform project. So there was a kind of a phase one where we did an an initial implementation that included financials and workforce, and then a phase two where we were more speaking to the the HR wing of the company, um, where they wanted to get even more granular, more detailed. And one of the, the real nice things that we we're able to do with workforce is as Chris said, um, take their their payroll taxes, their benefits, um, you know, their, their bonus, their, their other items such as that, and actually have it set up so that it honors and, and knows your location. Like what what geographical area are you in? Um, what uh, legal entity do you belong to? Th- those various things can then drive the individual, very specific uh, payroll tax assumption, benefits assumption, the burden, all those various things that, that go into calculating out, um, hey, what is an employee going to cost me? very specifically for every single um, right. possible location, right? So that was that was something really cool to see. And they were really happy with the the level of detail that they were able to get out while still planning for it uh, in one manner instead of receiving 35 different spreadsheets in different formats and whatnot.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, variance, right? Especially uh, variance is off for workforce, like in one department, at least with some customers are speaking with, they can totally, you know, totally screw yeah. up your entire financial report. So, you know, for... Very yeah. limited, uh finance leaders. Workforce planning will definitely trim that down. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've tackled three out of the five. Um, these next two, capital and projects. I don't know if we always implement them together. I know they can go kind of hand-in-hand with the additional modules feeding up towards strategic modeling, um, but capital and projects seem to be like, um, almost like twins, let's say, within the planning modules. Um, one customer that comes to mind, SSI Group, a software development company, they actually uh, implemented capital and projects together to capture R&D spend, but the modules could be used in tandem for internal projects, customer-facing projects, all a whole host of things. Um, so let me turn it back to you guys and I'll keep the conversation going. It,
0: yeah, they kind of go hand in hand because, and I'll, I'll explain, because a cap a projects planning is, is like the more broader scoped one. So you can do... Uh, revenue generating projects, uh, such as contract, um, like time materials, cost plus, those types of things. You can do indirect projects like internal um, kind of uh, R&D or some some sort of internal initiatives to improve your company. And you can also do capital projects, right? So that's the bridge between the two. So um, basically taking into account like uh, personnel costing, uh, other expenses and and, and materials that go into um, a capital project, that wing of it goes into the projects module. Um, but then if, of course, if you're planning for uh, a capital project, you also want to know um, the capital spend and then the the, the depreciation uh, and amortization factors that go into it. So that's where it goes to capital planning, right? So capital planning is kind of your your capital expense, capital asset management arm of it. And then your capital projects themselves live in projects. So often we see, uh, the two of those done together, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, right? So if you're just doing contract projects, you would just do the projects module, but anytime you, you say the word capital, pretty much you're doing both.
1: Right. Yeah, and then with projects, um, you often see like workforce integration with with projects. Um, so you can plan your workforce based on, you know, your different projects and get your financials from that into the projects module. And then obviously projects and financials is um, there's a direct integration there. So you can get your expenses from the projects or revenue from projects Um, in that at the the level of detail of the projects back into the financials modules. So I always see, I often see projects heavily integrated with the other modules.
2: Right. Like one of the, we scoped this out a while ago, like one of the more kind of interesting use cases is like workforce utilization models, Mm -hmm. uh, especially for, kind of R&D heavy or professional services client facing companies where they can actually, you know, someone like EPMI, right, you can see the forecast of how your employees are going to be allocated by individual projects to make sure you're doing it, you know, as close to 100%, barely over, you know, as possible. So again, kind of sharpening costs, making sure you're not over investing in a certain department, etc.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great use case for it, right? Um, some of the the built-in kind of utilization reports, um, project assignment reports, those types of things that just come come with projects if you turn on projects in addition to workforce. Like those are those are really nice to see because if you have, like you said, a lot of a lot of employees that make money for you, you want to know where they're staffed and and how uh, how well they're doing. Exactly. And One thing
2: I say in every single podcast and probably every single customer call is that it doesn't matter where you have this asset data, this project expense data, this headcount data, you know, Oracle EPM can integrate with any source system. We've done everything from the SAPs of the world to like green screens, right?
0: Yeah, there's there's <laughs> a lot of um, technologies available to integrate probably beyond the scope of this podcast. But right. um, whether it's an on-premise system, whether it's another cloud vendor, um, Oracle or non-Oracle, whether it's a file, um, hopefully something on a computer somewhere, but... Uh, we've been able to integrate all of the above.
1: Yeah, Yeah, we don't like those just PDF files.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, got to keep people on the edge of their seats. So if you want to learn more about integrations, uh, like and subscribe. Uh, So we've talked about all kind of the, called the core five modules of an EPM Beyond that, like you guys were saying, in any project, there's going to be some degree of customization. Some of the more mature use cases we see would be like within strategic modeling, incorporating, I don't know, like federal yield rates, any commodities pricing into your plans. Um, and um, then we hear a lot about, you know, within EPM, uh, customers with complex requirements and given that it is source system agnostic, we always kind of the goal for a lot of organizations is have integrated uh, sales and operations planning, bringing in data from supply demand channels to integrate into your overall financial plan. Um, have you all seen customer interest there or how would that work?
0: So Freeform, I think is a, a really great offering. Um, so previously before Freeform came out, the only way to get kind of a, um, you know, like a S space, so to speak in the cloud was to use like analytics cloud service. Um, that, that's something that I believe still has some form of option available for but now in the software as a service world you can use freeform um essentially kind of just to to spin up uh, a cuber application to to do with as you wish so um whereas with with planning traditional planning you have certain restrictions on you have to have a certain number of dimensions um you have to you can't exclude them a uh, freeform you can more or less do do kind of anything right so um, if you have processes that don't fit in, so say if you want to do daily planning instead of monthly planning, um, if you want to go into very specific detail, high dimensionality, those types of things, those those work really well with, uh, with Freeform.
2: And again, typically for our customers, that's going to be like maybe the third or fourth EPM project, right? Typically we try to get your financials in line, then we'll phase in, you know, scenario modeling, workforce, you know, whatever's the most relevant, depending on customer use case industry. Um, as we are coming up on time, um chen you're kind of the grandfather of planning at least internally e p m i and we hear <laughs> all these buzzwords coming from the
1: grandfather uh, or the godfather
2: <laughs> uh, maybe the uncle iroh uh oh man uh, <laughs> uh but we hear all these words you know on linkedin ai machine learning at least you know to wrap things up how have you seen oracle invest in those predictive models uh and how is that paying dividends for our customers
0: yeah so um it's it, we're still kind of at the tip of the spear here. Um, I I think I've seen a lot of uh, excitement around what's available within EPM. Um, some of the, the things that have been in there for a long time, such as predictive planning, th- those are those are great tools that that I think um, you know really any organization that has EPM can can go ahead and go in and use. Um, the recent advancements uh, in that space with IPM, intelligent performance management, have been really awesome to see as well because instead of just um, making a prediction, or or even predicting uh, what you think your your forecast is going to be for uh, for your entire business unit, for your entire organization, um, you can then go in and check things like: um, do I have outliers? Do I have people that are entering biased values that are too high, too low? Did I load a value wrong? Um, out of the, the say the billions of data points I may have entered, did I did I key in something incorrectly? Um, that's just things that you can do with IPM that doesn't take. Uh, data science or anything like that. That's just something that if you have the application, you should turn it on and, and check it out. Um, the other piece that's coming is kind of um, machine learning and AI built in uh, to EPM. That's something that you know, knock on wood, Oracle is going to bring out fairly soon. But kind of the ability to to do um, that kind of kind of inference where you're able to predict what uh, future value is based on what what the AI has scanned specific parts of your data. Um, and then spits out a number. Uh, that's been really cool. And today, I actually just uh, poking around one of the demo environments we have. Um, they also have a digital assistant functionality. So, um, if you if you'd like to, you can uh, voice chat with EPM, I believe, and, and ask it questions on how they're doing. So um, there, there's a lot out there, and it's a, it's an exciting and, and kind of expanding area. So I'd encourage everyone to look at that, especially IPM.
2: And little does the audience know, but this entire podcast script was written by ChatGPT. <laughs> uh, cool, guys. So let's go ahead and wrap there. Um, great information, kind of of all the EPM functionality within planning. Uh, but guys, stay tuned for our next podcast. Sounds like there's plenty of talk to talk about uh, around data integration. Uh, Chin, Chris, thanks for joining us today.